All right, I'm going to shift gears on you, Bill, uh, and ask you about the next life. I, I assume that you believe in heaven. And I also assume that because of what you said, that you don't believe that everybody is going to go there. True. First of all, what makes you so sure there is a heaven? No one's been there and come back to tell us. And secondly, do you think God has any immigration requirements for getting into heaven? How good is good enough? Well, actually, Larry, there is someone who's been there and back, and that's exactly why I'm so sure both that there is a heaven and how to get there. Jesus told his disciples two major things about the next life. First, he said he'd be killed, be dead for three days, then come back to life again physically. Secondly, he promised the disciples that if they believed in him, he'd bring them to life again and to a place that he would prepare for them. Now, as we discussed earlier, I find the historical evidence for Jesus' resurrection to be convincing, as have many even former skeptics. Now, the fact that Jesus predicted his own resurrection and pulled it off. Now, that gives me supreme confidence that he knew what he was talking about and that he could deliver on his promise to the rest of us. All right, point well taken, which reminds me, if I've learned anything in this time together with you today, I need to go buy that book. <laughs> and research the resurrection. Yep. The, um, the Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Well, what about the second question? How do you get to heaven? Larry, I don't know of a question that's more important than that one. C.S. Lewis said one time that he who plans for this life but fails to plan for the next is wise for a moment but a fool forever. Uh, let me ask you an important question before I answer yours. Okay, fire away. Even though it's a hypothetical question, I still think it's a great one. Here it is. If you were standing at the gate of heaven and, and God said to you, Larry, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you tell him? What would I say? Yeah. Oh. Well, no one's ever asked me that before. Uh, I guess I'd tell him I've lived a good life. I've treated other people well. I try to be honest. And for the most part, I've stayed out of trouble. Um, you know, all those sorts of things. Uh, you know, that I've, that I've given it my best shot. Uh, I feel a little bit uncomfortable answering this, Bill, with both the question you asked and, and with my answer. Isn't that what really matters in life, treating others the way we want to be treated? Well, I, I think it is extremely important, and the Bible talks about that pretty much from cover to cover, that, that we should live good lives, and, and it defines very carefully for us what it means to live a good life. So I'm in. <laughs> Well, the problem is for me that, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I haven't come close. Not only have I not come close to measuring up to the standard of, of real goodness, as I said before, I, I can't even tell you honestly I've done my best. There have been too many times where I've known what the right thing to do was and I didn't do it, or, or I've known what I shouldn't do and did it anyhow. Uh, can you identify with that by any chance? Well, yeah, sure. I you try to do your best, but there are times when I don't. It seems that one of the things we do to convince ourselves or to rationalize that we're doing okay as far as our relationship with God's concerned is we compare ourselves with other people that we're pretty sure are worse than we are. But other people aren't the standard of what good is. Uh, 
God's the standard. Imagine if you lined the human race on the coast of California and the goal is to swim to Hawaii and that you get a certain distance based on how good a life you lead. Okay, Hitler gets five yards. Now I get five miles. Yeah, I'll be willing to grant that, Larry, you get 10 miles. And yeah, obviously you don't know me very well. <laughs> and, and Mother Teresa gets 100 miles. Now, she did 10 times better than you did. You did twice as well as me. I did hundreds of times better than Hitler. But the problem is that we're all thousands of miles short. If you look at what real goodness is, what, what God is like, what he expects, well, that's the problem. We're all thousands of miles short. So nobody gets close? Well, Jesus told an audience in his famous Sermon on the Mount, unless your goodness is better than the religious leaders, you won't get into the kingdom of heaven. And then he went on and explained what he meant. You've heard it said, you shall not commit murder. But I say to you, if you curse your brother, you're guilty. In other words, Jesus was saying it's not just the physical act of murder that would disqualify somebody from heaven, but, but bitterness and unwillingness to forgive, hatred. And then he said, you've heard it said you should not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you have lust in your heart, you're guilty. Well, in other words, Jesus is saying it's, it's not just the physical act of adultery that would disqualify someone, but internal fantasizing about an improper object of desire. Well, then after that, he said we should not only love our friends, but we should love our enemies as well. And at the end of that part of his sermon, he said, therefore, you're to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So, so there's the standard, and that's why I'm convinced that none of us comes close, that nobody has a chance. We don't measure up to the standard. We haven't done our best. We're thousands of miles short. Well, if what you said is true, God's going to have trouble finding a fourth for bridge because uh, there isn't anybody. The Father, the Son, the Holy, the Holy Spirit, Spirit, and who else? And who else? Nobody. Um, you know, no one's going to get to heaven under those uh, standards. I mean, what hope is there really for any of us? Well, the bad news is that though God loves us, he's perfect. He has a perfect standard, and we don't measure up. God's not going to lower his standard, which would be tantamount to approving of evil. And saying we're sorry doesn't remove the need for justice, since justice always demands that a penalty be paid. You're not making me feel good here, Bill. <laughs> What's the solution? Well, if you really think about it, the solution is astounding. Jesus said that he came to pay the full penalty for our sins, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And that's the whole reason he died on the cross. There's a story I love about a village in South America with a very strict rule that anybody who was caught stealing, they'd get tied to a pole and be beaten brutally with 50 lashes. The chief in the village was consistent in the application of the law and he couldn't be bribed. So everybody who got convicted of stealing, uh, they actually received that terrible beating. Well, one night an old lady was caught stealing and it turns out that it was the chief's mother. And everybody wondered whether he'd be loving to his mother or if he would uphold village justice. Well, he pronounced the sentence, 50 lashes. They tied his mother to a pole. But as the first blow began to descend, he stripped off his shirt and he put his hands over her hands and his back over her back, and he took that brutal beating for his mother. 
So I ask you, which is it? Was he loving or was he just? Well, that's a pretty powerful story. I guess he was both, because uh, he was loving and just. Well, I, I think that story provides a, a small picture of what it was that Jesus accomplished on our behalf. He's just. He maintained the standard of justice. The penalty had to be paid. But he stepped in and said, I love you, and I'll pay it for you. Although there are hundreds of verses in the Bible on this subject, let me give you just a couple. John 3.16, one of the best-known verses in the New Testament, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Paul wrote in his letter to the Christians in Ephesus, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works that no one can boast. So I can't earn a relationship with God, but Christ paid the penalty for me. If I accept that gift to put my trust in Him, the promise is that I'll be given eternal life, that I'll go to heaven.